You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Today's episode of the After Chat is brought to you by Blue Chew. Yes, they're back again. And you can be back again to your best, Bill, and anyone else who's listening if you go to bluechew.com. What was that? That's bluechew.com, like the color blue. Bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Bill, what have you heard about Blue Chew lately? Only great things from several friends of mine. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And even people in the wrestling business have oh, been... Oh, by the way, that one wrestler, remember mm-hmm. last week I was telling you about him? And yeah. He listened to the after chat, and he tried it, and uh, well, his... Well, he wants to stay home with the wife a lot more now. Uh-oh. Well, that might be the yeah. end of his career, but it might be the beginning of a beautiful relationship with his wife, thanks to Blue Chew. Now, you too can have the same career-altering effects that this wrestler had if you go to BlueChew.com and you use the promo code BILL, B-I-L-L, to try it free. Yes, yeah, that's right. six foot three. Yes, that's all I can tell you. Uh Uh-oh, we're getting personal here. And you too can get personal with Blue Chew. If you go to BlueChew.com right now, type in promo code BILL, B-I-L-L, you can get your first shipment free. Just pay $5 shipping and you get your first shipment free. Bill, that's not even just one pill. That's the entire month free. Well, this particular wrestler has a three-month supply so if you don't see him on TV for a while, he's at home and very happy. So that's right. Any wrestler that you don't see on TV in the next three months is more than likely enjoying the effects of Blue Chew. I know this one guy is for sure. So Blue Chew is prescribed online, and that's an important thing for us to tell the after chatters here because it's going to ship straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. Hey, what's this? What, what's he doing here? Yeah, the doctor's office. Yeah. 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 And you'll be hearing a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah when you use Blue Chew. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code Bill, for your first shipment absolutely free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Josh Chernoff, and I am joined, as always, by the star of the show, Wonderful Willie himself, Bill After. Well, thank you, and I love that you call me Wonderful Willie or WW, and it's great. And as soon as I hear Wonderful Willie, I go right into the dusty voice because he used to always call me a Wonderful Willie, if you will. And now that so many people are en route to StarCast and... All in, the dream is happy to be here, if you will. I had to get the Dusty Rhodes. I was going to say, so is that Wonderful Willie who morphed into Dusty Rhodes? Well, Wonderful Willie's personality when he's doing his promos Mm -hmm. was based upon Ah. uh, the Dusty Rhodes voice. And I never realized that until I looked at some of the tapes that people can see during my one-man show of the Cal Championship Office Wrestling matches that I show at my one-man show. Cal Championship Office Wrestling. That's a, yes. uh, that's a great T-shirt Oh yeah, at theafterchat.com. That's right. That's right. Um, but 
in the videos that mm-hmm. people can see at my one-man show, when Wonderful Willie is challenging people or answering some wrestlers like Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, DDP, uh, he answered them like this. Wonderful Willie's title, baby, is the gold, the cardboard is around my waist. <laughs> so... How long did it take you to realize that that was a Dusty Rhodes impression that you were doing as Wonderful Willie? Um, probably two weeks ago. And you've been doing it for how many years? Probably about 35, 40 years. Okay. No, you know, the voice, the Wonderful Willie voice sometimes takes on different characters. It could be Hulk Hogan. You know, it could be, hey, brother, if you want to come after my cow title. Or it can be uh, the Grand Wizard of wrestling from way back, I'm going to destroy my next opponent. So there I go, doing imitations again. Could you do an imitation of, let's say, Sting in 1996 and 1997? No, he would. He didn't have one of these real imitatable voices. Yeah, I was joking. He didn't speak for all of 96 and 97. That's right. He was the crow. <laughs> That's right. Well, I can look. Watch this. Oh, wow. Perfect, huh? Man, how yeah. did you get that face paint on I so quickly? I can't tell you. I can't um. tell you. So uh, what what feedback See, you got did me you on get? The, you got me on the history there. Because <laughs> when you throw out a year like that, I don't remember that Sting didn't talk well, during that time. In fairness, uh, your years in the business are a lot longer than mine, so I have a much shorter amount of years to remember. Exactly. Um, that was a really nice way of my saying you're old and I'm young. Older wasn't, than wasn't you. Really? Yeah, that, I'm, I'm an established was, veteran. Right. You're, you're yes. aged yes. like a fine wine. Well, no, I don't think I'm aged. I'm just... Uh, Oh, uh, I'm I'm just refined. Well, I was saying, like, you get better with age. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very Absolutely. much. Yeah. Uh, and thank all of you for joining us here on the After Chat, the After Chatters, if you will. You guys have been amazing this past I week. I see a lot of them out there from last time. Yeah. There, there's yeah. there's There's been a lot of uh, great feedback. Um, we enjoy you guys just interacting with us on social media over at the After Chat, uh, or me personally at So Says Chernoff and Bill at After One Wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you guys are actually responsible for why this is airing a day early. If you're, this is dropping, uh, I want to say twelve o'clock Thursday morning. See, you, the pod, podcast people always say it's dropping. Yes. I always say it's airing on the pod waves. Well, again, you're. It has nothing to do with age. I, I came up with that. Last You're airing week, on the pod waves? Right, because yes. a, a few weeks ago we had the we broke the pod waves with yes. uh, Hulk Hogan. Can we Hogan. copyright pod waves Why to not? the after chat? Yeah. And, right. and the We're doing it now. People, this is it. This the is pod like wave a, people. We can do that. The pod wave people? Right, exactly. We're like send like them on tour. Like sitting right there is the president, the, the Blue Chew crew. Is, there's three of them from there right here. The Blue Chew crew and the yeah. podcast yes. people. The pod wave people. Oh, Yes. Pod, okay, because yes. there was a podcast. Per, oh, pod wave people. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. That pod wave person has been in that corner since last week, and I thought he was sleeping. Well, you've ordered lunch for him, haven't you? That's my bad. Your bad. Okay. okay. So, uh, what kind of feedback did you get from last week? Oh. Uh, part two of the Hulk Hogan, uh, the 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 culmination of of the uh, two part interview with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, which which was incredible because it was all positive feedback mm-hmm. with. People saying that it was so nice and calm and just a chat Mm -hmm. about his career and some of the things like Austin Idol kind of uh, kickstarting in Hogan's memory bank that maybe I should put this as part of my uh, 
uh, part of what I do in the ring. You know, this is like the Austin yeah. mania that kick-started into Hulkamania. And I saw, and I want to give a shout-out, we did that on Twitter already, WrestlingInc.com covered that part of the, that part of the story. Yeah, thank um, you, Wrestling Inksters. Yeah, and you know what? And, and thank you to everybody, because that's part of how I think a lot of you may have heard of this, is a lot of the wrestling news sites covering this Hulk Hogan interview. And we just want to thank all of you who uh, who checked it out and stayed. We yeah, were really, yeah. really amazed um, how this show is just continuing to grow each week. And here we are in our third week. And uh, and like I was saying before, thanks to the After Chatters, we are here a day early because they asked for it. They wanted to be able to listen to this on the way to All In and StarCast Weekend. Yes, yes, and um, I'm excited about this. And today, another wrestling invitation, our main guest, the main event is... Oh! Did you hurt yourself? <laughs> I was trying to do my Stinger imitation. Oh. Yes, our guest today is Sting. Yeah. We have part one of Sting. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, Bill, we talked about this. Rather than in the back. Right. That's okay. basically right the opposite right of, of, of up front. Um, so we are going to air part one of the Sting interview this week. And then we're going to air part two in two weeks. Now, that's because next week we're going to talk about there's a racket going on here. A racket? Yeah, there's a racket going on here. Specifically, a tennis racket. Yeah. James E. Cornette, the man, Jim Cornette, who said about my book, what the hell's wrong with Bill after he didn't knock anybody in that damn book of his? So Jim Cornette, in a very unusual interview... Because he barely knocked anyone when we talked about yes, him. So but he did do something amazing for a lot of fans out there right now who are fans of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Yes. They're familiar with Bruce Pritchard's impersonation, which Jim Cornette claimed to actually be Bruce Pritchard impersonating Jim Ross, impersonating Jim Cornette. And we actually got <laughs> Jim Cornette, and you will hear this next week, Jim Cornette is going to do Jim Cornette Doing Bruce Pritchard, doing Jim Ross, doing Jim Cornette. Which now, that's not incredible. a visual for you. I don't know what is. Yeah. But, but yeah, so that's something you do not want to miss. Um, a great interview with Jim Cornette coming up next week. And then the following week will be part two of the Sting interview. But part one is still to come. All right. However, before we get to that, it's time for Headlock on Headlines. <laughs> All right, Bill, we are just a, a couple of hours at this point when people are listening to this away from StarCast. Yeah, I'm so psyched. And as you know, I will be all around the place. Mm -hmm. I will be running wild, brother. Um, of course, I'm hosting the uh, Remembering Andy Kaufman yes. panel with Jerry the King Lawler and Dutch Mantel. Um I'll be doing uh, guesting on uh, Wrestle Crap with R.D. Reynolds mm -hmm. and several other wrestlers. And uh, uh, I will be, I'll have copies of my book for Is sale. Is fixed? I didn't know it was broken. But uh, so far, about 15 people have ordered copies in advance uh, asking me to bring them. So, so just find me. And we just might have to go into a corner somewhere and find one of my books. And I'll gladly sign them for you. And if you're uncomfortable going into a corner somewhere <laughs> with Bill, he'll sign your we'll book somewhere it. else. Yes. Um, I have a challenge for the after chatters. Okay. Uh, I want 
as many of you as possible to pre-order a book for Bill to have to bring. I want to see Bill oh, get off. 50... Get, get, I want to see Bill get walking into that hotel with as many bags as he possibly can. You have know what that's going to cost books. on the airline, though. Yeah, but you'll make it back in the book sales. I'm Not sure. necessarily. I mean, you see what the airlines are charging these days. Well, that's true. Yeah. All right. Even better. I want you guys to pre-order the book, as many books as you possibly can. That is my personal challenge to you. And guess what? Not only are we going to get to see Bill having to lug all these books in, but you're also going to get to read Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. And if you do want me to reserve a book for you, please hit me up on Twitter at After One Wrestling. That's the number one, not the word, at After One Wrestling. And since we're, we're plugging your book right now, I think it would be a great time to say that you can go to theafterchat.com and there's a link right there to go get that book yeah. if you are not going or if you feel bad for Bill and don't want him to have to carry so many books and you want to get it in advance. Although, since they're hearing this on Thursday, you might be out of luck. I think timing isn't uh, going to work out to get it in advance. I'm gonna, I'm it gonna, I know we have to get to the headlines, but I'm going to say I'm going to be schlepping the books. Schlepping, of yeah, course. Yeah, it's a good word. I love that word, yeah. schlepping the books. Oh, you can feel it. Yeah. Okay, so StarCast, though, that is our first headline. There are so many incredible things going on. People are so excited about it. Um, Thanks to Conrad Thompson, who was on our show last week. Yes, uh, the busiest man in wrestling yeah, today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he he was the brains behind this entire convention, and he did mention um, that there are going to be so many events going on all day, part of the night and it's just good that you're going to need a program or roadmap and they do have a souvenir program that mm -hmm. will be available there as well and we should mention for any of you who are listening to this now uh saying oh man i'm glad you guys you you guys dropped the show early aired the show early but unfortunately i'm not going to be there in chicago well we're going to give it and this is not even we're not even getting paid to say this but because they've been so gracious to us we're going to be gracious to them and you guys can watch the entire uh, event on the Fight Network, Fight TV. Fight TV app, That's yes. F-I-T-E. Right. And Another uh, good four-letter uh, four word that starts with an F. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so with StarCast... By the way, this is... this is. I know is we've been pushing... No, no. I, I know that we've been... Our spon one of our sponsors is Blue Chew. Mm -hmm. While we're sitting here taping, this is not Blue Chew, it's Tic Tacs. I didn't want you to think I was taking Blue Chew I, while we're taping. You know this what? Blue Chew Fruit works adventure. so quickly because it's a chewable that I would have been petrified, or perhaps you would have been, to be having you take Blue Chew while we're just kicking not, off not, this. Not, uh, not a chance. So I thank you so much for uh, Fruit for Adventure Tic Tacs. All right. They're good. You want one? Uh, okay. Are they sponsoring our show? Uh, maybe. We might be able to get them. All right. If they are, then of course, because Tic Tacs are my favorite mint of choice uh, if they're not then i'm not really into this isn't a mint this oh. is fruit adventure it's fruit flavored well you know what let's go on that fruit adventure another time and for now i want to talk about uh all in and the main event and wait we're, a minute we're there, calling there, it there the are tic-tac people sitting next to the bluetooth crew and the Podway do we people. have all so this is so the after chatters can know in case you're wondering this yes we bring all of our sponsors and make them sit here and watch us record the, actually we don't do it they just don't trust but us the, they want to the watch TikTok us people are considering sponsoring us here. so they're here right now i yeah, love tic tacs over there you see who's in the left here that's tick yeah and over on the right is tack yes yeah, yeah. have a good one male one female 
But go ahead. Let's get to the headlines. What I was going to talk about. We're in the headlines, Bill. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're in. We're we're uh, we're deep in the headlines now. Yeah. And uh, um, so all in, I was referring to it as the main event, but we don't actually know what is going to main event uh, this this card. And I heard the young bucks talking about how they don't even know who's what's going to be main eventing. They have had a bunch of different ideas, and it's it's ever evolving. But to can me, I tell the you what show, my main big... event is for this show? Yes, the National Wrestling Alliance. That's exactly what I was going to say. Heavyweight championship match in one corner. The heavyweight champion, NWA heavyweight champion of the world, Nick Aldis, and in the other corner, the challenger being walked to the ring by Diamond Dallas Page. And Glacier, as Glacier revealed last week, yes, the American nightmare, if you will, Cody Rhodes. So to me, this is the main event. William Cargan, mm-hmm. Billy Cargan from the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, who is I mean the you know owner, him as William, right? But, right. But who is <laughs> the rest the, of us uh, just know Billy him more formally as Billy? Right. Yeah. But who is the uh, owner of the National Wrestling Alliance? Yes. Uh, this is a very high-profile match, and I would love to see. I'm going to tell you what I do. You want to know what I'd love to see? I would. Love I think to, we all want to. Yeah, know what I'd love to see the to National see. Wrestling Alliance World Championship become what it was back in the days. And I don't know if this can happen, but I'm looking at it positively of the days of like Dory Funk Jr. and Jack Briscoe and Harley Race. You didn't know I could do a Harley Race, did you? Um, Ric Flair, all the all the great cha- Sting, uh, all the great champions mm-hmm. there, and I think that the next step to making this NWA World Heavyweight Championship a great championship again will be whoever comes out of this match if they bring that belt to Madison Square Garden. Mm. in April in New York City because that will be the first NWA title match possibly in history in well I don't know at back the in the 40s it might be it might yeah, be we we'll need our after chatter historians yeah, let us know. to uh, yeah um you yeah. know and it's it's interesting you're saying that because I think some people their first thought might be well you're not going to have the NWA title at a Ring of Honor New Japan show um why not forgetting the fact that it's already Ring of Honor and New Japan um, that was in the why heyday not? of the NWA. Yeah, but why not? Well, this is what I'm, I'm talking about. In the, and you can obviously tell us much better than I can. In the heyday of the NWA, the NWA champion would go from territory to territory, if you want to Everywhere. tell us a little bit about that. Of course, he'd go from territory to territory. All right, thank you. For <laughs> but yeah, the NWA champion one day would be in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The next day he's in Tokyo, Japan. Yeah. The next day he's in Australia. And the next day, he's in Atlanta, Georgia. And that was kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, what the NWA was, the National Wrestling Alliance. It was all of these smaller promotions. It was a group of promoters that mainly cooperated with each other Mm -hmm. under the banner of the National Wrestling Alliance. And the man, in my opinion, who was the greatest NWA National Wrestling Alliance president was St. Louis's only, well, St. Louis's the great empresario, Sam Muchnick. Mm. Yeah. 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 I'm talking way above. I'm familiar with Sam Muchnick. Yeah. Obviously, it was, it was uh, 
a little bit before my time. And I uh, want to send a shout-out to our good friend Larry Matisek, who was Sam's assistant for all those years, mm-hmm. and for the past few years has been uh, having some health problems. Just want to send my shout-out uh, to him I as well. But the, the end chatters of the- can send uh, their positive vibes his yeah, way. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. But the National Wrestling Alliance Heavyweight Championship, uh, one of these shows I want to talk about how the NWA title was written about in the wrestling magazines before I started mm-hmm. with the wrestling magazines. And one title changed between Buddy Rogers, the champion, and Luthez, who won it, changed the entire course of the wrestling business and kind of forcibly made Vince McMahon Sr. and Willie Gilsenberg and their partners create the WWWF because of that match. Wow. A story for another show. You know what I think we should do? At some point, we should have, and this is, we, folks, we haven't talked about this at all, but I'm listening to this and I'm intrigued, and I think you guys are too, and girls. Uh, so I'm catching myself Thank you. now. I, like now it. I think I like about it. it every time I say guys. I like it. Um, at some point, I think it would be a great thing for us to have a themed episode all about the NWA championship. And you know what would be amazing if we could pull it off? Whoever is the current NWA champion. Have them on as a guest, and perhaps in the same episode we find a a former NWA oh, champion. Oh, I'm, I'm and sure. We put them on. I'm sure that uh, Dory Funk Jr. would mm-hmm. love to come on. I'm sure Harley Race would love to come on. And I bet we could even dig up some of your old classic interviews. Maybe on that same episode we could hear from maybe one of the NWA champions that isn't with us anymore. You know what I have? That, what do you have? Uh, I ran it on YouTube a while ago, but uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. I have a cassette go. tape of his entire life story, and he does talk about uh, his time as NWA champion. Okay. Wow. I think uh, This is what? something I think we're going to yeah, have to do. Nobody's heard this. We're going we're gonna to plan. Uh, send us a tweet at the after chat. Tell us uh, what you think of that, if there are any other suggestions you would have for uh, a theme like that. And you know what? While you're at it, send us some other ideas for themed episodes. That could be a fun thing for yeah, us to do. Yeah, that would here. be great. You guys are kind of, you're getting headline, uh, headlock on headlines has kind of become a uh, a session of, of Bill and I sitting here coming yeah, up with things yeah. for the show. Yeah. But uh, but no, I think that stuff would be great. Okay, what what's next? Baron Strowman. Baron, what, how many syllables were Baron, and Baron's, I'm saying that for a reason. Because well, you give the news and I'll tell you why. Okay, so last week's episode, the you headline. felt um, that the Shield were the most hated faction at the end, and I, I told you that I disagreed with that. Uh-huh. I thought the fans were behind it, um, and Take we cash. didn't really have wonderful, and we didn't really have uh, an opportunity to to really find out because it was kind of decided for us. Um, Braun Strowman. Uh, it appears as though he's turned heel. He is turned. I mean, I know turned he's bad guy to you people that still follow the magazine talk like okay. me. Okay, but go I ahead. think even the magazine talk nowadays. I think everybody knows yeah, go ahead. heel, and uh, and those who don't, well, now they just learned at the after chat. The more you know. Um, so Braun Strowman siding with at least for the time being, siding with Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler yeah. in this uh, feud against the Shield and. Uh, I think a lot of people were really, really surprised to see as Braun Strowman just seemed like he was on this meteoric rise 
uh, as a fan favorite, as a good guy, if you will. And uh, yeah, now he is a, uh, a quote unquote bad guy. So my feeling about this now, mm-hmm. the reason I said Baron Strowman, so he is a bad guy. He's a bad guy now. Barack Lesnar is out of the picture for a while. Would you like to see, because I know I would like to, see Paul Heyman step in and become the advocate for Baron Strowman? Uh, I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I think it would be great. Personally, I think anytime you're, you're going to see Paul Heyman on TV is, is good. Yeah, but you know what, they're, <laughs> you you know, know what so. they're thinking, though? I think what this is going to be at an upcoming pay-per-view or maybe a close-in-the-future one is going to be the three members of The Shield against Baron Strowman, Drew McIntyre, and Dolph Ziggler. They set the stage for it already. They have. And and I believe at Hell in a Cell, we're going to be seeing uh, Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship inside Hell in a Cell. Yeah. So maybe they can just drag this out a little longer and add some people and have a traditional Survivor Series match. Actually, Elimination. this saving this for the Survivor Series. Um, That's exactly This what I'm being saying. September. Yeah, yeah. It's logical. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Absolutely logical. I'm yeah, going to take that a as a personal compliment. That's, it's good. So a headline, headlock on headline here is that the headline is Baron Strowman has turned heel or bad guy. And that's something we didn't think was going to happen. We no. figured the fans were going to boo Roman Reigns oh, out of the building. Yeah, and that's something I wanted to mention to you. I'm glad you, you, you brought that up. So the fans were booing at the end there, at the end of Raw. They were booing Braun Strowman as he stood you know, arm in arm with Drew and Dolph. You're on a first-name basis with them already? Okay, go Drew ahead. I'm on a first-name basis with. Right, I know uh, that. We'll get into I've, that on yeah, another we'll show. We'll talk about that another time. Uh-huh. Yes, they were booing Braun Strowman. But I think um, when it comes time to them being in the ring, I don't see that happening. I don't see them booing Braun Strowman when he's in the ring with Roman Reigns. Uh, and if they do, I don't see that translating into cheers for Roman Reigns. And I just I understand they want to stay the course with him. To me, I, and I understand that it's so much more goes into this than just the story nowadays. Yeah, of course. Uh, you're talking merchandise. You're, you're talking going on shows and, and promoting and whatnot. So I get all of that. To me, I still think that if, if Roman Reigns were to go heel, I think in a couple years, the fans would be begging for him to be a face. And I think he would be white hot. I think he would be the biggest face they had if they let him have a little bit of a heel run, let the fans get it out of their system, and then let the fans turn him back. Because that's something that they were doing with Roman Reigns before the whole Royal Rumble debacle, where the only reason they turned on Roman Reigns was because of Daniel Bryan getting eliminated. Right, right exactly. It was the only reason why. But it, it's interesting now to see how the fans are going to react to Braun Strowman. Are they still going to cheer him because they want him to... You know, that's what I'm saying. Roman I don't think Reigns, they're going to boo but, him. I think yeah. they'll boo him when, when he's with uh, uh, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. I, I agree. Want to, uh, I agree. I'm not on his first name with some of those guys like yeah. uh, William <laughs> from, uh, you know. But, uh, okay, what else do we have on Headlock on Headlines? So this is an interesting one. Um, a 12-year-old girl named Izzy who a lot of fans know as uh, from NXT, she was the the Super Bailey fan. Yes. Um, who cried when Sasha Banks took the uh, bracelet from her or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. So she was just involved over the weekend 
in an independent wrestling show. I heard about this. And she wrestled a match and was choke slammed in At this 12 years old. in this match. Yeah, and yeah. Lince uh, Dorado from 205 Live um it was very outspoken uh not condoning this one bit. Right. He said as a father um and as a wrestler, you know, he, he was he was really disgusted with it. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I have my own personal opinions on this. Um, I should add that she was wrestling a man as well. She agreed to do this. She's 12 years old. Right. Her parents must have said, hey, yeah. go ahead and do it. You're, uh, you, you and, know, th- this is your dream. And let me tell you something. And I'm not, was... condoning, I'm not condoning this, but I'm saying they knew ahead of time mm-hmm. what they were getting into. Right. If I were 12 years old, there is no chance I would have turned down an opportunity to wrestle. I know that. Um, so right off the bat, I don't blame her one bit. This okay. is a 12-year-old girl who is a, an uber wrestling fan. Right. I completely understand her wanting to do this. Um, as a father myself, and right. you are a father as well, right. um, you have to think – maybe the parents should have looked at this and said, hey, that's really cool. Couldn't you get involved in the ring in some way and not be wrestling a match against a a large man and getting choke slammed? The thing is, unless we actually know who said what to who, we can't really... No, I can't say, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I don't want to blame the parents because who, maybe they didn't know about it. Yeah. Maybe they thought she was just going to the show and, and, and whatnot, and I don't want to judge in that regard. What I will say is, in my opinion... I just, you know, and I'm a, I'm the guy who ran the Teenage Wrestling Foundation I know at 15. It. I know okay? it. I was the commissioner. Yeah, so I get the idea of that. I get that, you know, the kid's wanting to do it. But I don't like the idea of this 12-year-old girl being choke slammed by this grown man, um, you know. And, of course, they, you know, obviously, you know, well, it was, was a work. What was, was the tweet? The tweet. I don't actually have it in front of me, okay. the, the actual tweet from him. But, um but no, it was just kind of just saying like I think this was a this this just wasn't appropriate. Okay. Um, and I was just curious your opinion on it, but this is a. a, I, a I need to know all the facts before I can give you an opinion okay. on it. I haven't seen it. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course you can. That's it's uh, the after chat here. When your daughter was twelve years old, uh-huh. how would you have felt about her getting in the ring and being choke slammed? I would have said no. You can't oh. do it if and you want. And you, that was my only. If you want to get into the ring, you can get into the ring and. Uh, when she was a little kid at the uh, IWCCW shows mm. at Kutcher's in the Catskills, she mm. held the American flag while yeah. the national anthem was going. And that was a big thing for and her. And I even remember at one of and our shows. And then she was chokeslammed. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I even remember one of our shows after uh, after the show was over. I remember you and Brandon, your son Brandon, getting right. into the ring. Right. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with a kid, no, no, especially that, when you're connecting to somebody. Father. Playing around in the ring. Yeah, yeah especially with father. But being, I mean, and I did see the video. It was a little, it was a little much. It was a little much. And that's, I, 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 I just, just say, if it was my kid, no. I agree. Okay. All right. And that is Headlock on Headlines. Hey, uh, Josh. Yeah. Listen, don't look, right, don't make this look too, I'm whispering. Don't yeah, make this I look too obvious. But you see where the uh, Blue Chew crew are sitting over there? Yeah. They're talking and they're, they're, their thumbs are up right oh my. now. But, I, I think I heard them saying that they're 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 giving the thumbs up because they're very happy about the blue chew com- commercial that of uh, blue Clu- blue. Can you say 
Blue Chew Crew five times fast. Can you say it one time fast? I can't. Can you let me? Can you do it five times fast? Blue Chew Crew, Blue Chew Crew, Blue Chew Crew, Blue Chew Crew, Blue Chew Crew. You said that five times fast, and it's the Blue Chew Crew. And by the way, do you know that they're hosting the after party at Starcast this weekend? I do. They're going to be hosting the after party. Wait, wait, who is? Who's going to be? Blue Chew. The Blue no. Chew crew. Right. Yeah. They're we'll be hosting, they will be hosting the after party after All In on Saturday night back at the uh, back at the hotel. They're going to be hosting that party. And I think the whole Blue Chew crew is going to be there. And uh, you're going to be there. And I'm going to be there. And I think everybody's just going to be having a really good time. Yeah. And if you want to make sure that if that night, and I'm, look, hey, you want to hang with the guys, you want to have a good time, you just want to, you know, whatever it is, that's cool. But uh, maybe you look over to the sign, you, uh, you see somebody and you say, hey, let's talk. And uh, one thing leads to another. And it's uh, it's time to go up to the uh, hotel room. Let's say, I don't know what you guys are going to do up there. It's not any of my business. But you're tired. It's been a long day. A whole lot of activity at StarCast. A whole lot of action at All In. And maybe you want to be All In. Maybe you want to have your action. Well, now with Blue Chew, you're going to be able to. Yeah, that's right, Bill. You can cringe. But they're not going to cringe. They're going to love Blue Chew. You can become a member of the Blue Chew crew. Yes, and you can use promo code BILL, that's B-I-L-L, and you can get your first shipment free. Now, I don't know if the Blue Chew crew is going to have any any chew on them, if you will, but you can go to bluechew.com and you can use promo code BILL, B-I-L-L, to get your first shipment absolutely free. Just pay $5 shipping. So let's just remind everybody what Blue Chew is about, okay? Blue Chew is a chewable, the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. That's how you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. So if you've been hanging out at this after party the whole time, it doesn't matter. Hey, eat as much as you want. Have yourself a great time and then pop a Blue Chew when it becomes appropriate later in the night so that things can become, shall we say, maybe a little less appropriate. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And as we've talked about, Blue Chew is prescribed online, and it's shipped straight to your door in discreet packaging. So you're not going to the doctor, you're not waiting at the pharmacy, it's not awkward for you. You can just get it, and then you can get it, if you know what I mean. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So again, I want everybody to know about the special deal that we have for the After Chatters. If you go to bluechew.com, you get your first shipment free when you use the promo code BILL. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. It's time now for the main event. Yes. As you know, or you may not know, Sting rarely does interviews. The man known as Sting keeps his personal life, and even talking about his career pretty much to a minimum. However, when I called him and I said, Sting, it's Bill Apter. I have a brand new podcast with Josh Chernoff called the Apter Chat. Would you consider being on our podcast? And without hesitation, he said yes. And this is due... He said, for Josh Chernoff, I'll do anything. He'll do anything. anything. Yeah, but based (laughs) upon the both professional and personal relationship I've had with him for so many years mm-hmm. when he first started out, um, I felt that this would just be a great sit back and listen chat 
for his fans, the big stingers and the little stingers, to enjoy. And in this two-parter, Sting reveals a lot of things that even I didn't know about. Yeah, and it definitely kind of, uh, for just to give you guys a heads up of what you're going to be listening to, um, like Bill said, it is a chat. And it was really nice for me to kind of, uh, for part of it, be a fly on the wall and just to see... Uh, just be able to hear this friendship between the two of you and the mutual respect that you guys have. And Thank I know you. I was joking a little bit earlier, but it's really, um, it was really great to be able to witness that and be a part of that. Uh, and just to be able to be a part of an interview with Sting. He talked about his time uh, teaming with the Ultimate Warrior in the beginning of his career, uh, all the way to the last Nitro, all the way to uh, his run in the WWE. He talked about Seth Rollins. And some of that is going to be in part two. But I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that while there is tons of really interesting stuff in part one, some of the more modern stuff is going to be featured in part two, like when he discusses his match with Seth Rollins. And that's going to be in two weeks. Yes. But uh, you guys are going to, if you sit back and listen to this, you're going to learn some really interesting history about Sting. Next week, we have a special interview with Jim Cornette. And again, the following week, part two with Sting. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, this is Sting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, of course, we are here at the after chat. And of course, I have to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sting. Welcome to the after chat. Boy, it's, I'm thrilled that you're here. Well, I'm happy to be here, Bill. We go back so many years now. We do. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you asked me to do it. <laughs> well, they, uh, and I thank you for saying yes, because I know you don't do a lot of these type of things, so I'm, I'm really honored. And it shows that uh, both our professional and personal relationships meant something to you and to me, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. I still have a Leroy Neiman sketch in my possession. Oh, I forgot about that. So let me talk about that at the beginning. Do Josh, do you know who Leroy Neiman was? I'm, I'm sad to admit that, no, I don't. Uh, Leroy Neiman was the greatest uh, artist that Sports Illustrated ever had, correct, Sting? Yeah, I don't think it was just a, uh, exclusively with Sports Illustrated. Right. I thought he was just a, a sports artist in general. And, and you know, I, I, I know that at one time, you know, a lot of his paintings... Many of them, especially after he died, were, you know, they're, they're worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I used to go up to Muhammad Ali's training camp because we also did boxing magazines, and he'd be there sketching Muhammad Ali. He sketched and drew uh, artwork that sold for millions of dollars uh, at, at his death. And some of the things that he did on people like Ali and all this. So the, the story was that you came up to our office uh, when I was working for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and Leroy Neiman was up there that same day, correct? Well, I wasn't there, but, I mean, from what you told me, yeah, he was there, and he he saw uh, the cover of Sports Illustrated, I mean, uh, Wrestling Illustrated. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, right, right. You weren't there the same yeah, day. Yeah. Go ahead. And and then and, and I was on the cover, and, and he grabbed the, the, some markers that were right there on the desk and just started sketching, and he signed it, 1994, Leroy Neiman, and... Um, uh, you know, I didn't even realize how cool it was then. I mean, I knew who Leroy was, but not not just how popular or how big he was. He, I mean, he was huge. Yeah, I just I just and, looked uh, him up now, um, and I know exactly who he. I didn't uh, know his name, but I can picture 
you know, a Josh is a little yeah. bit above millennial age here, so. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Don't call me a millennial. Definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely not a millennial. But, I yeah. didn't. But now. It's now, a prized possession to me. So. That's awesome. Well, th- now, you have no idea, well, maybe you did, of the heat, using a wrestling word, that I got from the other editors in the office that you gave that to him? <laughs> Do you realize what this could be worth? Leroy Neiman sketched Sting, and you sent it to him? I said, yeah, he's my friend. <laughs> to this day, and I had forgotten this story, but to this day, if that's ever brought up to any of the uh, uh, Stu Sachs, Craig Peters, any of those people, they remember that story. Yeah, fast fast forward a few years, 10 years from now, we find out Sting actually has a copy, and Bill Apter has the original. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wouldn't do that to you. So one of the other things that I'm going to tell you another thing that I remember that you did that, uh, and again, the thing with Leroy Neiman, I had said to him, I said, you know, he asked uh, who you were when he saw the copy of PWI. This is all coming back to me now. And uh, I said, that's Sting. I said, "Uh, do you think you could uh, do a sketch? And he said, sure. And they were all looking at me in the office there like, Apter's asking Leroy Neiman. To do this. So you people that who don't know who it is, please Google Leroy Neiman. One of the things that you did, though, that was one of the classiest things I've ever seen done with your, um, uh, with your first wife after you won the World Heavyweight Championship for the first time, about four days later, uh, the secretary at Pro Wrestling Illustrated comes over to my desk with a bouquet of flowers do you remember this? Uh, yeah, I, yes, I do. But I mean, it sounds so. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. It doesn't <laughs> sound. It doesn't sound masculine enough here. But but did you have to say the flowers. I mean, could you? And, and actually, you know, that was uh, give credit where credit is due. You know, that that was more more my ex-wife. It was more of your ex-wife, but it was one of the classiest well, things. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I was, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was grateful anyway, and, you know, and, and so she kind of took care of, you know, those types of things and said, do you want to send something to Bill? I said, of course I do. Yeah, let's do it. So she she would do those kind of things. Yeah, but that, that was, I have to tell you, my reaction when it came to my desk and it was said to Bill and everyone at PWI, thank you for all your support. No one ever sent me flowers before, so it was a whole FTD thing, so I wanted to thank you publicly for that. Yeah, I can't take all the credit, unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, I got you. I got you. If, if you'd like, we can edit that out to sound like it was like a box of cigars or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, wait a minute. What, uh, what would you have sent uh, if it was just you and you sent something? What would it have been? Oh, man, I, I would have been creative. I mean, I, I know that. I mean, it would have been, I don't know. I would have found out what, what your interests were. I don't know. I have no idea. God, lifetime of dark chocolate. This Something cool, you know. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So uh, one of the uh, things that we're going to talk about later on, because we have a lot to talk about, is everybody, of course, wants to know about the situation with you and The Undertaker, but we have more to talk about before then. So uh, I got one of the reasons when I called you that I wanted to bring you on to the show here, and it was actually the main reason, is my son Brandon, who's now in his early 30s, was the biggest, and still is, the biggest Sting fan in the whole world. And I remember when you first met him, when he was, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, 
Uh, I was allowed to bring him to the dressing room, and you sat him down, how school, Brandon, you became like his best friend. You really, I'd never heard a wrestler talk to uh, my son or anyone that age uh, so honestly, like you were a relative. And through the years, uh, we all kept in touch, but your relationship with the fans is one of the most unusual relationships I've ever seen, and I'll tell you why. I got an email from a fan talking about, and I never forgot this, uh, that one of his favorite wrestlers, who's one of the biggest good guys in the whole world, he finally got to meet him, and the guy practically dissed him. He just, like, didn't care. You know, here's a long line, kid, move on, this type of thing. When I see you at the autograph signings, when I see you with the stingers, whether they're young stingers or old stingers, you always make someone have a quality experience from you. Tell us how that developed. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes, you know, when, when you only have an allotted period of time and, and, you know, you have to try to get everybody in. Uh, it's hard to spend all the time that you'd like to spend with each individual or each group that comes up. But, you know, I just, I just do the best I can. But, I mean, how it came about was, you know, it, it, it actually, you know, from the ring, you know, I, I was always one of those kind of wrestlers that wanted to involve the crowd in the match. Uh, it's like I realized all of you were there and all of you were watching and all of you want to be entertained, and so I tried my hardest. All, all those years, decades, to try to entertain them and, and involve them in the match. And so, you know, this kind of a, uh, there was a relationship there, you know. And um, I guess it just kind of carried over into these types of, uh, you know, autograph sessions or, you know, meet and greets and all that kind of thing. And uh, especially in the last 20 years, you know, I... I'd say, man, I, I learned how to really appreciate fans a lot more. What are so. some of the things that fans have either said to you or given to you that you've cherished? Oh, well, you know, so, some of the, the, the biggest things are, and, and I hear this uh, literally every single time I go and do any kind of autograph session or meet and greet, um, Sting... The only relationship that I had with my dad was when we used to watch you. And you were the only reason why we tuned in. And we watched you. And it's the only bond that I had. Or, you know, for some, it was just the best bond that they ever had. I I mean, a crazy story, and this one just happened about six weeks ago. It's like, uh, I found it really hard to believe, but this guy was so genuine and he was in tears and his lip was quivering and he couldn't he just he almost could barely get his words out and he seemed like he you know he was totally sound and and he said when I was really little he said I used to watch you on TV beat up my dad and he said and it made me feel so happy inside. He said, I, I just loved you for doing that. And so I thought, well, his dad was another wrestler, and I'm going to find out any second now who his dad was. Yeah. But it, his dad wasn't a wrestler. His, his dad was somebody who, who, he said, he looked exactly like Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, wow. And so he said, you, you would pound Rick 
and and he said, and it just made me feel so good. He said because his dad was was just brutal with him, oh. physically and emotion emotionally and verbally, you know, abusive to him. So uh, apparently his dad must have had you know his hair all bleached out and like Ricks and <laughs> and uh, I I don't know you know anyway. So you know these types of things or to be able to um, uh, spend some time with somebody who is, especially a child that is critically ill, uh, you know, um, and it's, it's really the only thing they want in life is just to have this meeting and uh, to spend time with them. And uh, th- th- those are really important things. Or you taught me how to, you know, and then fill in the blank, you know, you taught me about bullying. You taught me about, you know, standing up for yourself or um, you got me through some tough years. And, some, and most of the time, you, you're talking about grown men that are emotional and, and can barely speak. This has happened, I mean, uh, 200 times, <laughs> just tons of yeah. And it's, it's, it's just, it really hits me now, all these years later, you know, when you don't really realize it, you are having an impact on people. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot of stupid things, but I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, it, it didn't get too out of hand, and, and I tried to do the right thing all these years. So. Well, you know, anyway. and, and you're talking about the impact that you had on fans, and I can tell you, I, I didn't have, you know, I don't have any uh, of those profound impact stories, uh, but I do have a more fun one, that in, uh, in 1997, uh, I dressed as the crow sting for Halloween. And uh, wow. so you definitely had, I can speak to as one of the fans who you had a, a positive impact on from an entertainment side. Um, I was a huge fan. Um, one of my favorite Halloween costumes I ever did because obviously putting the makeup on and I had a wig to have the long hair and, uh, and I'm sure we'll have to get a picture and put it up on Twitter now that I'm saying this out loud on the the air here. Um, But uh, yeah, so, you know, I was a a real big fan at that point. Um, So yeah, you know, it's amazing sometimes to, to, you know, when I hear people saying, oh, I didn't even realize back then the impact that I was having uh, because you really were, you really were having a big impact. And when I see you at the conventions and the, uh, the lines of people waiting for you, every third or fourth person's got some sort of, uh, uh, sting thing with them, whether it's either the makeup or a, yeah. uh, the crow bat, something like that. So that that's got to really move you. Oh yeah, a lot of them actually have a photograph of them dressed as me for Halloween, like you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is going to bring that to Chicago. Yeah, you have to bring that to Chicago. So um, moving into uh, uh, the career portion of, uh, and and again, I want to thank you on behalf of all the fans because there aren't a lot of people like you, and I know you've seen this probably, a lot of the other guys that are fan favorites, they're just, you know, they just want to get out of the building and, uh, and get there, and I, th- I think the only two people I've really seen spend like tons of time with the fans was you, and I saw Goldberg do that a few times, where he'd sit in a hotel lobby and make sure he'd, everything was signed uh, so everybody was happy. Uh, you're the only two I can think of that I really know have done that. Yeah, and and again, I can't, you know, no no one 
no one is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I know I've, I know I've had my moments where it's, it's like you just, you, you got to get up to your room. You got to get, you know, you realize, okay, if I start this right now. But you're not I'm, rude I'm about it. You're not rude about it. No, I try, I try yeah, no, exactly. I, I, but it's, it, it can be really, really tough from time to time, you know, and I, and, I have made my mistakes in the, in the past, that's for sure. Well, I think with things like that, you know, fans sometimes will forget that, you know, they're seeing Sting in a hotel lobby and they're forgetting that this is just, you know, a person who needs to get a little sleep before he hops yeah. in the car to head yeah. to the next town. Like, yeah. you know, they're not thinking that. They're thinking, oh, it's Sting, I need to, you know. So, yeah, that's got to be a that's got to be a tough thing. You know, you're between a rock and a hard place. You don't want to upset these people who are so excited to see you. But at the same time, you know... You know, got to catch a, a person. Yeah, yeah, you need yeah. to go to sleep. Yeah. What is? Josh just said something interesting. He says, "You know, you're a person. So Sting is the persona. Steve Borden is the guy. How do they? How do they? Uh, how do they differ, or how do they actually get along? How are they similar?" Sting and Steve. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the most important things uh, for somebody really in any kind of entertainment industry is to, is to uh, realize who you are, uh, to realize that there is something above and beyond wrestling, there's something above and beyond entertainment, you know, playing in the NFL or the NBA or being an Olympic athlete, and, and you know, it, it's, it's God. This, this is what I believe. It's Jesus Christ. I, I, believe, I believe in Jesus Christ. Um, pretty outspoken about that. So, to to know that there is something beyond wrestling, uh, and I somehow or another, I, I I don't know why, because even before I came to know who Jesus Christ is, which was August of 1998, I still, it's like I realized that there's something beyond wrestling, and I you know I took my wrestling hat off when I was done wrestling, and I, you know, now it was time to be you know. Uh, a father. It was time to, you know, uh, run your business. It was time to, and so, you know, and I always had goals and, you know, things that I wanted to do beyond wrestling had nothing to do with wrestling. Whereas I know many, many of the guys that I've known over the years, wrestling is all, all they know, and it's all they care to know. And it consumes every minute of their life. And, um, this, and, I've, and I've seen the toll that that can take on someone that lives their life like that. You know, I mean, eventually, you know, the uh, emotional breakdowns and the post-career syndrome, whatever you call that, you know, that that really sets in, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's tough. So, I, I mean, just, just realizing that there's something beyond wrestling is, is the key. While you were talking there, it made me think of something. Do you think, um, because obviously you were recognized uh, out in public, do you think that you were recognized maybe less than some other wrestlers because of the fact that your face was painted? Oh, there's no question about that. Uh, As a matter of fact, you know, and I've told this story many times, but when I first started, you know, the NWO was, you know, Hall and Nash and Hogan, you know, switching heel and that that whole deal. Um, You know, we were in Daytona Beach, uh, and they had this, this uh, the arena that we wrestled in, you'd, you'd pull in underneath, and there was a place where the fans could kind of stand up and around the entrance to this underground garage. Mm-hmm. 
and you know the guys would come in and out of there with their cars, and a lot of times you were loading up right down there at the bottom, so all the fans could see you. And I'm, I, you know, I'm with Lex, and we got our bags, and we come out in wide open view of all the fans. It must have been about 300 of them there, something 400 of them. And, and I was putting my bags in the trunk with Lex. We were putting our bags in the trunk of the car. And, package! Total package! You know, they were all yelling and screaming, where's the stinger? Where's the stinger? And Lex wow. looked at me. His jaw dropped. His eyes were huge. He goes, oh, my gosh, they don't even know who you are. Yeah. And I had just started to grow my hair out a little. So it was still... Yeah, I didn't have the flat top anymore, but my hair was darker, a little bit longer, and already they didn't know who I was. Wow. And, um, you know, somebody like Lex or Hogan or Bill Goldberg, you know, I mean, these guys, when they go out in public, they, they are who they are. Right. <laughs> and, and so for me, yeah, I could many times go under the radar yeah. a, lot, a lot easier than most of the guys. But, you know, there, there are times that even now that I can't, you know, you can't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the Steve part was with uh, Lex Luger. But now that people know what you look like from your appearances, of course, at uh, WWE, at the Hall of Fame, et cetera, right. people know, you know, that this is you. And and I know uh, it can be an imposition at times, but I know that that attention and the people letting you know what you meant to them, we're going back to that in a, for a moment, is uh, is something that you, you know, not everybody gets to feel that way this is true this yeah. is true I'm, I'm i'm actually pretty grateful for even though it's been such a, a pain over the years you know painting you know putting the paint on the face you get the war paint on you know i mean it's a, those, those those days back in the good old days when you did two or three tv tapings in one night you know right you got different types different boots different jackets different paints I mean, and and you're wrestling on every single show, yeah. and and oh man, you know, and sometimes I thought, why did I ever start the paint? But I look at all, all the all the action figures later, and I go, okay, well, you know, I guess it worked. So yeah. it's interesting you talk about the paint. Um, I had had a question I wanted to try to get to, but I think it's a good transition into it. Um, why do you think that you? you evolved once you went to, as I mentioned it earlier, the crow sting. Um, when you first started doing that to the end of your career, to this point, still with, with, uh, meet and greets and whatnot, you kind of evolved to, uh, a, a lasting version of that crow yeah. look. Um, never going back to, you mentioned the flat top and the bleach blonde hair. I missed the surfer but, look, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but not even so much the surfer thing as much as just how, uh, the patterns were always different and the colors and everything was always, what was the decision or did it just kind of happen? I know you did um, what people on the internet at least called the Joker sting uh, in TNA for a bit there, which was great. Um, but why do you think you never really went back to the multicolor um, and stayed with more of that crow look? Probably because he wanted Leroy Neiman to do every one of them, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think really the Crow character, but you know, by the time it it came alive and and hit the scene and uh, turned into evolved and into what it turned into, it, it, it wouldn't have ever made sense to to go back to 
you know, the blonde flat top haircut. And right. even if I wanted to, there's not enough hair on my head to do that anymore. <laughs> I'm very sensitive about um, hair on the head, please. So, so yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't pull it off. Uh, let me tell you something. If, if, if I thought that I could pull it off, I would, I would actually, I would have attempted it in these later years. But really? I just, because so many people talked about it and, and they're so nostalgic, the fans mm -hmm. are. I mean, uh, you know, WrestleMania 31 was a classic example. DX and NWO all out there at the same time and people just freaked out over that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, nostalgia is huge um, with that generation that, yeah. I guess my generation that grew up watching you. Did, did you come up with those, uh, with the makeup patterns yourself? Or was that, you know, a, a lot of the companies say, hey, why don't you look like this? Was this your, your yeah. vision? Yeah, no, no, I, I, I came up with all those designs on my own. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, uh, Dusty, you know, originally, you know, we have Ronnie Garvin versus Ric Flair, big buildup, and Flair's the champion. We go to Cobo Arena or Joe Lewis in Detroit. I can't remember which one. $110,000 gate, and Flair loses the title to Ronnie Garvin. We go back a month later, a $10,000 house with Ronnie Garvin as the champion. Hmm. And um, so they need to put the belt back on Rick, which which they do. Now they're going to put Rick with um, Ricky Morton. Yeah, and Ricky gets hurt. Ricky gets hurt. So Dusty says, Stinger, baby, I, I want to put some color on your face, you know, <laughs> some color on your hats and color on your boots, and uh, and I, I want to put you with Rick, you know. So we did a little a little storyline, you know, with J.J. Dillon, the Four Horsemen, Ric Flair, Ric Flair Day, Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, TV taping, and, and, you know, it was a, no no real heat angle. We just kind of went out there and, and and did our thing and and it just it just it worked and and it it took off and and so dusty is really the reason why the color started to begin with oh wow i never knew that yeah i never knew that either and because he was yeah. what the last time i i saw him i did an interview with him uh, on the wwe network for a, a pilot show that wound up with jbl as the uh as the host of that thing and uh we talked about what a creator he to him his creator was eddie graham but dusty created so much in the business that people don't even realize and you just brought up another thing that uh, i didn't even realize yeah and and not on top of that he was he had to have been one of the most if not the most charismatic uh wrestler ever uh so I trusted him, you know. I mean, obviously, I trusted him. And when he said, "I'm gonna put you with Rick," I went, "Oh man, uh, okay." <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I, you know, I, I, th this was, I knew this was a huge, huge. Everybody, everybody wanted to be in an angle with Rick. Everybody wanted to be in a storyline with Rick, and you know, and, and I never imagined. And so when Dusty came to me that day and, and told me that, I believe we were in Oklahoma, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, he mentioned that to me, and I said, oh, okay, you know, so I, I got the colored tights, I got the colored paint, and the rest is history. How long had you been wrestling at that point? Because you seemed like that was 
something you couldn't believe at that point in your career that this was happening to you. Yeah, no, I, I, I started Thanksgiving Day of 1985, and Dusty, uh, Jim Jim Crockett, uh, the Crockett's bought Bill Watts out in sometime in 80, early 87, I believe. And and by before the end of 1987, I mean it was like I think the first quarter of 1987, somewhere around there, is when Dusty came to me. So you just mentioned something, and uh, at WrestleCon this past year, I was uh, sitting uh, hawking my book as I do everywhere, <laughs> and sitting next to me was uh, Cowboy Bill Watts and his son uh, uh, Eric Watts. And I remember you coming over to our table and one of the warmest, most sincere embraces I've seen in years was with you and Bill Watts. So let's talk about Bill Watts. Yeah, we we can talk about Bill. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Um, uh, um, Yeah, I mean, Bill was... uh, There's all kinds of things I could say about uh, I mean, stories, I don't know if there's even enough time, but I mean, uh, uh, I don't think he cared too much for me in the very beginning. Really? But I, I, I think he did see something in wait, me. Wait, wait, what What makes you say that? Why? What was the... Um, well, you know, Bill, Bill was... I mean, he loved Dr. Death. He loved Steve Williams. Yes. Um, and I think he loved Rick Steiner. He did, you know, am, am, amateur wrestlers. You know, he, I think right. he loved that. Uh, uh, Jim Duggan, uh, you know, didn't didn't Jim play football somewhere? I mean, he he was an athlete. So I, you know, but you know, I had I had I had nothing. You know, I came in as just this guy from California who broke in with you know Jim Helwig, uh, who later became the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, I was just I was just a guy, a meathead, you know, and. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I just I always got the feeling he didn't really, you know, when whenever he would talk with Eddie Gilbert, who was managing Jim Helwig and me in those early early years, you know, Bill would come in and he he would he would talk to Eddie and he would talk to Jim, but he wouldn't hardly look at me. You know, he was like almost like I wasn't there. Wow. And uh, you know, and I, and I wasn't insecure in that way or anything like that. It was just I just. But, you know, and a lot of people did that because, you know, Jim was a, you know, 285 pounds. He was a freak, you know, and, and so, and, and I was just the other guy and I was 260 pounds when we started, but, you know, compared to Jim, I was just, I was like a regular guy. So, but, but, but anyway, you know, we, we had, you know, Jim Helwig and I, we had, uh, we, we were not making any money with Bill. We, I mean, we were going broke. You know, we had our nights where we slept inside my 1983 T-Bird because there was we didn't have enough room uh, money for a hotel. We didn't have an apartment, and it was it was pretty rough there for a little while. But you know, we we wrestled nine times a week for about a month. You know, double shots on Saturday and Sunday, and and so we were expecting you know a really good paycheck. And and for us at that time, you know. We knew that some of the guys were getting, you know, fifteen hundred dollar, you know, paychecks, and we had had nothing more than three hundred and fifty, four hundred bucks a week, wrestling all those times, and so we were expecting because we were doing lots of run-ins, uh, you know, 
with Eddie as our manager. And so there we were. We were in Grambling. Is it Grambling, Mississippi? I think so. I think it started. I was yeah, in Grambling, that town too. Yeah. I, I, I didn't Ernie Ladd play football there or something to yes. start with? Grambling University. Well, a, a, anyway, so, so we're in Grambling, and it's a big deal. And in the main event is Bill Watts, Ernie Ladd against Jim Helwig and Sting, uh, you know, or, or The Rock and, and Sting. And, and um, Eddie Gilbert is our manager, and we got our paychecks that night. And Jim and I, we opened our paychecks, and it was, it was like 450 bucks, less than half of what we thought it was going to be. And we, we were literally going broke. We couldn't, we couldn't even pay for gas to make, the, make it to the towns, you know. And so we looked at each other, and we said, we're out of here. So we left. Main event, we left. Yeah. We were on our way to world class. We were going to both uh, tag up with world class with Fritz von Erich. And, and so, but anyway, the next day I get a phone call from uh, Grizzly Smith, Jake the Snake's dad. And, and Who, by the way, a lot of people uh, don't know he was one of the bookers for Bill Watts. For Bill Watts, right, yeah. Right. So Grizz, Grizz says, uh, Sting, what, what happened to you guys last night? And I said, well, and I told him the story I just told you guys. Sting, you don't want to burden bridges in this business. Uh, you know, I highly recommend you guys make it to Little Rock, or you make it to Little Rock tonight. I was in Alexandria, Louisiana when he called me. That was our home base. And he was trying to talk me into going to, you know, that, that night all, all the way up, you know, 100 and 200 miles north to Little Rock. And, and I said, uh, no, I, I can't do that. He goes, no, you, you, you really, Steve, I'm telling you, you, don't burn your bridges. You know, you're, you don't want to blackball yourself from this business, you know. And I said, well, I mean, I go up there, you know, he's going to have, you know, Dr. Death and whoever else in there and, you know, try to stretch me in the ring. No, Sting, please, you got to do it. I go, well, okay, well, what about Jim? And and he says he doesn't want Jim to come up there. He doesn't want Jim back. Wow. He just wants. And so I thought, ah, okay, do I take the chance? Do I do it? So I, I agreed, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll be up in Little Rock. I called Terry Taylor. And Terry, I follow, I follow Terry Taylor all the way up there. And, you know, they, they had me in the ring, and, you know, Bill had his moment, you know, to have his way uh, because he had Dr. Death and Duggan and whoever else, everyone <laughs> around him. But he took, care, he, he took care of me. He paid me. And... Um, you know, I, so I never forgot that, that, you know, and he was, uh, you know, he, he, he could be kind of tough on the guys. And, you know, we were constantly on the road, constantly working uh, and making no money at all. Uh, I don't know that there was much of a change in my paycheck, but, you know, he kept me along and and uh, and I was working. I had a job, you know, and, and I was learning the ropes. I was learning the business. And so by the time Crockett, you know, bought Bill Watts out, you know, I had a lot under my belt, and and I was ready for somebody like Ric Flair to, you know, groom me, and and that's what happened. So, so that story was that the end of the team with uh, Jim Helwig? 
Yeah, when 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 Jim, this was one of the unfortunate things, you know, for Jim and I. I, I think he was looking to kind of get off on his own anyway. His his ex wife, I think, was uh, uh, an instigator in that. Um, but it, that doesn't matter at all. Um, but yeah, he he found out. You know, I, I tried to contact him before I left to go to Little Rock. I, I looked everywhere for him. I I couldn't. I drove to the gym. I drove to all of our hangouts. Yeah, I drove everywhere. No cell phones back then. Yeah, no cell phone. Yeah, and I couldn't. I couldn't find him. So I went up to Little Rock, and I called him that night after the show from the hotel, and I got him. And and he goes, I can't believe what you did. I can't believe what you you. I can't believe you just left. You, you know. And whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on, man. You know, we we've got two weeks worth of paychecks that he's holding, yours and mine. You know, at least I'll get my two weeks worth of paychecks plus a new paycheck coming up because we need all the money we can get to make sure. the move from Alexandria to Dallas, Texas. And, uh, I mean, we needed every dime, you know, and, and so I said, look, I'm getting my money. You won't get yours, but I'm getting mine, you know, so, you know, take it or leave it, you know. And he said, you know, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. You, you screwed me, you know. And it was a bad, bad deal. And, and the partnership, the tag team, we, we split up at that point. He did go to world class and became the dingo warrior right. and then the ultimate warrior. And then, he had his, and then he had his big run, you know, with uh, WWE. Did you ever talk and, to uh, him it, no. after that? I mean, after the... Well, I know he oh, came yeah. back oh, yeah. with WCW. Yeah, right. Good for a short Yeah, he time. did. Right. But even before that, you know, I, you know, I, I saw him, you know, a few times and, you know, open arms and, you know, we were both hugging each other and, you know, laughing and, you know, we, we just put it all behind us. And then, you know, in the end, when, when he became, you know, an ambassador for WWE, I was just in preliminary talks with Vince and, and uh, Triple H. And I was looking forward to coming back and reconnecting with with Jim again, and then yeah. then we lost him. Yeah, that was one of the most surrealistic moments I've ever seen in this business for him to go on uh, Monday Night Raw and make that whole speech, and then a day later he was gone. Yeah. So when you saw Bill Watts, was that at WrestleCon? Was that the first time you'd seen him in many years? No. Well, yeah, in many years, yes. Um, but you know, we we had a few meetings you know afterward and and uh you know there was a, a, a period of time there where his his son eric and i were you know i befriended him and you know just kind of he, he'd gone through some really tough times and i was trying to walk him through some hard stuff and um so we kind of got close during that and i think his dad appreciated it and, um you know i i don't have any hard feelings toward bill at all oh, I, mean, I know that i know that what you know, I uh, I said to uh, uh, a lot of people with Bill Watts there that he ruled with an iron hand, like Fritz von Erich did. Also, a lot of the guys were almost afraid of him, but it really disciplined people for what to expect in the next step in their careers. Yeah, no. I, again, he there there was a lot of prep going on there. The, the, you know, I, I knew that I was getting experience, but I had no idea just how much. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. you literally. I mean, it, it was 300 days, more than three, 300 plus days a year. You're talking, you know. I always do the same spiel I give on these some of these interviews when I talk about these old days. But it was Christmas, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. You would do a matinee show and a night show. Christmas Day, a matinee and a night yeah. show. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, same thing. Easter Sunday, same thing. Fourth of July, same thing. 
so there wasn't there wasn't a time that you were off. I mean, it was very rare. And you know, Eddie Eddie, who was managing us at the time, you know, all three of us were on the road. We were on every single in every. I mean, we were involved in in main event matches that we had nothing to do with. But, you know, <laughs> Bill would want us to get involved, and you know, yep. and so we were there till the end of the night. And uh, so, but it was experience, you know, I was learning the business. Yeah, yeah. So t- one of, um, every night at home, uh, Brandon and I had to have a wrestling match before he went to bed, and he always had to beat me with the, uh, uh, the Stinger Splash and the, uh, the Sharpshooter, uh, the Scorpion Deathlock. Death um, my <laughs> question is, uh, those two moves, was that something you came up with, or was that something that... Uh, uh, someone else helped come up with. No, I, I was fortunate enough in those early days, uh, while I was still with Bill Watts, as a matter of fact, um, Baba from Japan yeah. wanted me to uh, come to a show. And, um, you know, Bill sent me to uh, Japan. And there was a wrestler named Ricky Chochu. Oh, yes. And, you remember Ricky Chochu? I do very well. I anyway, yes. yeah, that that he he used that hold, and and I went, oh, I like that, I like that, you know. I'm, and so, and you know, and then the scorpion kind of that that sort of popped in all at the same time, and um, then it was just you know branding myself or at least attempting to, and right. uh, so yeah. As a matter of fact, you know. Jim Helwig and I, when we first started, he was Jim Justice. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> that's right. That's and, right. And, and I was Flash, Flash Borden. Yeah, we ran pictures of uh, you guys that were taken in Louisville, I remember that. Yeah, and then, and then when we switched heel, Jerry Jarrett, the first promotion we ever worked for, Jerry, he had us as, as baby faces, red, white, and blue, it was just, oh... You talk about something grotesque to watch. <laughs> I remember. Uh, it, it, it was it was horrible. We were so bad. He had to just switch his heel and try to make the best of, you know, salvage what he could with us as heels. And he put us with the Fantastics for a little while. But we were so bad. He had to finish us up and 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 get us out of there. And uh, when when before that when we switched heel we 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 changed from the Freedom Fighters we we turned into uh, the Blade Runners. Right. And and I named myself Stinger, or people say Sting, but it doesn't matter either one. And I named him Rock, so he yeah. he was the first Rock. Yeah, I was going to say, where did the Stinger, the Sting name, come from? Of course, confusion in the marketplace with the singer there. Right. Uh, you know, the funny thing about that is somewhere around around the same time, uh, Leroy Neiman, you know, I got that that sketch. Yes. I uh, got living in Atlanta. I got a phone call from from Sting's people who called my people, <laughs> and uh, he was actually doing a concert in Chastain Park, and and uh, he wanted to meet me because he said he told me face to face. He said my nine year old son has your poster in his room, and he said I, I said I got I got to find out who this Sting wrestler guy is, you know, oh, that's and awesome. so. He, he 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 brought me up on stage and put the guitar around my neck and I saw the photo. Really? You know, yeah, I never I knew know. that. I, I, 
I said something stupid like I'd, you know, I'd like to thank you on behalf of the band and, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> old Beatles, an old Beatles line. Yes, yes. And I hope we, I hope we passed the audition. That was the rest of it. Yes. Wait, what, what, one, one other question regarding the hold, by the way, just to get back to that. In the magazine, I remember we did the Scorpion Deathlock versus the Sharpshooter, which is deadlier. Well, I, I'd say if it's if it's Sting putting the the Scorpion Deathlock, yeah, on somebody, then that's it. But if it's Brett putting the Scorpion Deathlock on somebody, it's it's not it. Oh, right. okay. If it's, if, it's, if it's doing the sharpshooter, that's it. But if it's Sting doing the sharpshooter, that's that's not going to work. Oh, okay. We got okay. the answer. We that's got a the fair answer. answer. Oh, uh, talk talk about a political that was, answer. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was a perfect political answer there. Uh, so jumping around a bit, um, I've always been curious, uh, the last Nitro, and we're obviously jumping way all the way through your WCW career with this question, but... Um, You've talked about, you know, your, your storied career with Ric Flair um, and the, the last Nitro having it end with you and Rick in the ring in that match. I was always curious for you what that felt like, what that was to for. I mean, you were it was referred to you were referred to as the franchise. Yeah, you were of, WCW. Of WCW. And uh, even to when you came into the WWE, there was still the playoff. You know, you and Triple H at WrestleMania was, you know, Sting's WCW. Like you said, the NWO and DX being involved. What was that like for you? What were your feelings uh, the last Nitro and, and being in the ring with Rick uh, one more time for WCW? It, it, it was shocking. It was surreal. You know, it, it was e- emotional, really. Um, because it was a lot of years of, you know, a lot of sacrifice, you know, a lot of uh, fighting tooth and nail to not be the second class mm-hmm. wrestling organization, the second class citizen, um, but to finally evolve into number one, you know, the number one wrestling organization in the world. Uh, by far, head and shoulders, no questions, hands down, you know, yeah. uh, to be that first class now, first class citizen, first class wrestling organization, a machine, a global machine, and then to watch it all just slip through your fingers and and be gone and totally out of your control. You know, I always say it was it was like the enemy came into the into the camp and and just you know had their way. And who and who was the enemy in that? Because that was another question that uh, someone had sent in for you was, uh, what do you think the events or event was that led to the end of WCW? And you say the enemy is that the corporate side of it, or was it? What do you think it was? Uh, well, I mean, you know, WWE came in and they were they would be the enemy, you know. Yeah. Well, oh, so you're referring like, you, you were you know, referring it, to the it, last night show when they yeah, purchased the, just, it. Just, I see. The, just the you know the yeah the last night. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. The, the, the company that, you know, we, we finally, we were number two behind them for so many years. And then, and then to be above them and to be number one, only to end up losing it back to them and then totally losing it to them. Right. You know, was tough. It was tough to swallow, you know, yeah. really yeah. tough. Uh, because, you know, especially for somebody like me, you're, you're saying, you know, 
Oh, they said you were like the you were the franchise. You were this, you were that. I mean, I I, I did every single meet and greet, every single you know uh, tour to promote every. Uh, well, every I was I traveled all over the place to promote our tours, and yeah. so and I you know I was the guy I was on the road more than anyone, and so it, it was and it was hard to, hard to see happen. Um, and it was totally out of out of my hands, out of my control. It, it it was gone, and it was kind of embarrassing too, you know. So you could sense the sincerity in his whole tone there that he really wanted to talk about uh, uh, that part of Sting. Yeah, it was really really uh, informative for me growing up. A, a huge uh, Sting fan. Uh, as I mentioned, I dressed as him for Halloween. Yeah. Um, as did my son Brandon, by the way. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, and I think that uh, for Sting fans out there, it was really interesting to kind of hear about how he got to where he got to. Yeah. You know how yeah, he. Yeah. You know because if you were if he was already established by the time you started watching, maybe you know Sting had just always been there, and yeah. you think he started his career as the surfer Sting. So it was really cool to kind of go yeah. back and, and hear. Find out where he really came from, and again, in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, don't think we're not going to be here next week. We will with uh, James E. Cornett. However, however, Sting will be back in two weeks. Yes, and it is a great interview, like I had said in the beginning, uh, a little more of his modern career. Yeah, talking about Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. Triple H, and a, a lot more of uh, the more contemporary things that are going yes. on in the world of sports entertainment. Yes. So, Josh, you know in November, yeah, I'm going to jolly old England, one of my favorite places in the whole world. Yes, and you know what? I'm excited for Excuse- you. Okay, that was really... So, uh, so I was uh, going to tell you... So you know who that is, right? Yeah, that that was that's Vicky Guerrero. That is Vicky Guerrero. And Vicky Guerrero is being brought to the United Kingdom by Kayfabe Events. I see what's happening now. Yes, and, and uh, to, to, to kind of paraphrase, they're delighted. I'm paraphrasing Jason Walls, the main man behind Kayfabe Events. We are delighted... To announce that joining us in the UK in November is none other than former WWE diva. She was, wasn't she, Josh? I'd say she was. Uh, she was a, a, at least a WWE cougar. Oh, I like that. Raw and SmackDown general manager Vicky Guerrero for an evening with the WWE UK's Eddie Dennis and a Q&A orchestrated by Chuck Mambo. You want to know when? Yes, I would love to know. Okay, so November 14th, Cardiff. Now, do you know, by the way, what Cardiff is famous for? No. The singer Tom Jones is from ah, Cardiff. That's so that's unusual. in Wales, yes. But <laughs> that's not unusual. I'll Google that, kids. So we'll be joined by uh, Dragon Pro UK for an exclusive live podcast. Then, what's the happening 15th, on the 15th? Well, then it comes. See, I was going to read this and put Manchester, but the British people say Manchester. Okay. Yes, and there'll be an exclusive live podcast with guests to be announced. All now on the sixteenth, right. get my ticket ready. <laughs> yeah, well, on the sixteenth, sixteenth, London, England, and not only will Kayfabe Events be doing another live podcast with British Empire Wrestling, 
They are joined by a very special guest doing his fabulous one-man show. The guy's name is it's that journalist and broadcaster, mm-hmm. Bill Apta. Oh, my God. I've heard of him. Yeah, he does the After Chat. Not a fan. That podcast. No. Not a fan. <laughs> no, Bill, you're going to be there, and that's fantastic. Yeah, in, London, in London on the 16th and 17th in London. Uh, Hove, H-O-V-E, which is right by Brighton, the kayfabe curtain call. They will not only have Vicki Guerrero doing her event, but also they will host me one more time doing my fabulous one-man show and the possibility that some karaoke light might break out. Oh, I, I, I think odds are, uh, are pretty good. And I might do some rapioki. I like to rap. You did that last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there'll also be a live roundtable discussion with Riptide Wrestling, a live podcast from uh, TWM News, and Q&As with David Starr. Ah. By the way, yeah, he's coming from uh, uh, the United States. And guess what? Oscar from Men on a Mission. Awesome. Who has been part of my show for uh, back in New Orleans, WrestleMania weekend. He's making the trip to also meet and greets. Do you know who? Well, why don't, here's the list of meet and greets, Josh. Why don't you read that? All right. Jimmy Havoc. Yeah. Spike Trivet. Roy Johnson. Spike Trivet, mate. William Aver. Yes. Jack Sexsmith. Uh, Robert Sharp. Damon Moser. Chris Ridgway and T.K. Cooper. So the event will be finished with a big star-studded tour blowout party hosted by Chuck Mambo. Now next week, we will have exclusive details for people in the United Kingdom how you can win free admission to any one of these events. But for those of you who can't win that free admission, tickets are available at kfapevents.com. Josh, we need some more chairs. Well, one more chair. Mac Davis from the uh, president of Smarthold uh, is looking to sit down here. Oh, well, welcome. And uh, you know what, Bill? That's kind of a funny coincidence, or maybe it's not a coincidence at all, because Smarthold is one of our newest sponsors. They are, and they're sponsoring this edition of Ask After. So do you know what Smarthold is? I, I do, but you know what? Some of the after chatters might not. So, Bill, so tell I us a little bit about Mac it. Mac would like me to tell them about it. So, I think you would. Smart Hold is a message on hold service, and it only costs, get this, 35 bucks a month. Oh, That's well, it. but obviously they lock you into some sort of contract. No, no, no contracts. No contracts? 35 bucks a month and no contracts at wow. all. So, what is Smart Hold? Well, if you run a business, where you place callers on hold when they call you, Mm -hmm. one of your most effective yet least expensive marketing tools is Message on Hold from Smart Hold. So you know sometimes you'll get this uh, generic music. Yeah, uh, like elevator music. Yeah, elevator music or some some loud music and something that really bothers you while you're waiting on hold. Well, the worst thing, Bill, is silence because now with cell phones, you think you don't know. Did they hang up or they're not? No, like placing a caller on hold, silent, I mean, it's deadly silence. So most callers... Uh, won't be sure if they're still connected. You know, you're going like, am I I still on the phone? And they'll probably hang up. That's it. So can you afford to lose that call? I couldn't. No. So with Smart Hold, they make your caller's hold time enjoyable and more importantly, informative while making the caller's hold time feel a lot shorter. So it also makes you sound a lot more professional. Now, there are several things you get when you take out Smart Hold for only 35 bucks a month, no contract. You'll get 
professional voice talent, both male and female, oh. unlimited message changes. That's really cool. Uh, professional script writers? Yeah, they'll take There's care of that for you. Broadcast quality audio, fresh background music. Music licensing fees, so and there's no trouble with... And even a smart hold player, should you need one, at no charge. So, for 35 bucks a month per location served, there are no contracts. What a great deal. Wow. Go to wwwsmart dash hold.com and order today. One more time, that's www.smart-hold.com. Mac, I got it. Be smart and get Smart Hold. Okay, Josh, you've got questions for me? I do. I think it's time to hashtag AskAptor. And the first after chatter to ask you a question is Michael Berry Sr. He asks, what are you most looking forward to at All In? Well, mostly to see all the great fans that are coming from all over to see All In and be at Starcast. But the most, the biggest draw to me mm-hmm. on that show is the National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Championship match right. between the champion Nick Aldis and the challenger Cody Rhodes. I just think it's going to be a classic NWA title match. Question for you. Do you see Nick Aldis being 10 pounds lighter when the match is over? Even though you didn't hashtag AskAptor, I'm going to answer that question. (laughs) And the answer is yes. I think Cody Rhodes' time is here. All right. Yeah, And I'm looking forward to this being uh, a match that the National Wrestling Alliance can say this is one of the greatest NWA title matches ever. Chris, at Chris Spears 84 sent a question in. Over under for eight matches on the main all-in show. How long you think the event will last? Preferably, I hope it's two hours and 45 minutes to three hours. But then again, this is a first of a kind, so who knows? So I guess the question really in there, I don't think we're going to, we don't have time to go an over under on all eight matches. Um, but uh, Seven days, Josh. You think it's going to be seven days? Seven days. Okay. Seven days. Uh, interesting question. I figure four to five hours. Really? Yeah. Now, is that count? Is that counting from... the WGN hour okay. as well? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Dis- by the way, there will be a tailgating party. Yes. Yeah. So I'm there, rain or shine. I will, well, you, you and I are going in the same car. We are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We so should rent that. We will be there. Good idea. Dismal Abysmal. I love that. I love that name. Uh, asks, do you ever get tired of wrestling? Well, I haven't been in the ring that often. Just my, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the subject of pro wrestling, the answer is no. Ask my wife. It's 24-7. No, I've never gotten tired of it from when I started watching it when I was about seven or eight years old all the way up until I'm uh, 25 now. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I never get tired of it. I, I always love it. it it's, there's always something new and compelling. And m- too many people find look for too much of the negatives. I look for the positives, and that's what keeps me going. All right, this next one comes from at B after 23. Hmm. B? After 20, that's not... Be after 23, and he... Wait a minute. Yeah? That, what, what's his question? Well, his question is, what is it like having such a wonderful son? It's, it, well, he's probably talking about my son, Brandon Aptor, who's the uh, uh, host of the podcast, Aptor Hours. Yeah, great podcast, by the way. Yeah, great son, too. Oh, well, then what's it like having such a wonderful son? 
Wonderful. Okay. Hey, Robert Simon at Robert Simon 9702H. I, I thought he was putting like his uh, social security number. Right. I, I was going to uh, say that. He piggybacks saying, Mr. Apter, uh, if you answer this question, please cut a promo on him. So it looks like Robert would question? like you to, uh, he's, he's asking, would you cut a promo on your wonderful son, Brandon? Wait, wait, maybe he wants me to cut a promo on him. Uh, no, he said on him. Meaning my son. Yes. Well, when my son was little, uh, he used to wear a mask. He was a big Rey Mysterio fan. Oh, God, I thought this was like a... Uh... No, no, and he was El Brando. Like growing up, you just couldn't stand the no, way no, he looked. No, so you no, made no, your no. poor son wear a mask No, no, we, we wrestled in the, uh, in the living room, and uh, he was El Brando. Ah. And I was wonderful Willie, of course. There we go with the voice again. And uh, El Brando used to try to beat Wonderful Willie every night in the living room before El Brando went to bed, and he had to use the, um, uh, the sharpshooter. Scorpion Deathlock. No, because he was also part Bret Hart fan. Ah. So he wanted to use the sharpshooter. The sharp Deathlock. Yeah, sh- the Scorpion yeah, that, Shooter. That, that, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. So, you know something, El Brando? For many years, for many years, you defeated Wonderful Willie, if you will, in the living room of the house. But now that you're older and I'm older and wiser, you come back home from where you live in Georgia and you can be sure that Wonderful Willie and my figure four leg lock will end your wrestling career. And you will be El Mysterio for no longer in your life, you will be a mystery because no one will know what happened to you after I put on that figure four. That got really dark. Yeah, that was, it did. That was great. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, send some love and over girls. to at yeah. After Hours Pod and uh, maybe throw some follows to uh, young I'm worked El up Brando. Now. Yeah, I'm, I'm worked up now, El well, Brando. Good, or, because... You know, sometimes he called himself El Mysterio. Okay. Yeah. So I'm worked up now because Wonderful Willie wants a piece of him. Oh boy, thanks. Thanksgiving is going to be. Uh, yeah. Hopefully yeah. you'll be tired from your trip back from no, London. No, never, never. Uh, Josh. Yeah. I never get tired. I'm up till one a.m. I know. And then I get up at six thirty, seven o'clock a.m. Yeah. And I'm ready to go. All right. And you know what I'm not tired of? What wrestling? Yeah. And yeah. you know what else? What? We got more questions for you. Oh. And okay. this one comes to us from at WrestleMax Two H. What is your relationship with Dave Meltzer like? What was your take on the recent controversy over his Peyton Royce comments? Justified or much ado about nothing? Well, the the uh, Peyton Royce comments he apologized for. He kind of mm-hmm. said he was out of line, so I'll let it go uh, at that. I've known Dave for, let's see, I've been in the business for 51 years. I've known Dave for probably about 35 to 40 years. Back in the magazine days, we used to, uh, and it was forbidden to talk to Dave Meltzer. Mm. If you got caught, you were not allowed to uh, uh, to engage in talking with any of the wrestlers or anything because you might tell Meltzer, mm. and he might put it in the Wrestling Observer. But I've known Dave forever, and uh, we've always had a great relationship. We're on two sides of the fence. His, his journalism and mine were Two different types completely. Mine was more of the uh, uh, sensationalism magazine style for many, many years, and his was 
reporting the backstage inside stuff. Right. Well, you kept much more of the kayfabe. Kayfabe, yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and he was much more of the, uh, the dirt behind, you know, oh, the Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. but dirt in a good way. It, 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 it was fine. But the promoters, what I didn't like was the promoters sometimes would change what they were doing to fool Dave Meltzer. So Dave Meltzer and I, great relationship, and I look forward to seeing him, by the way, at StarCast. Yeah. Yeah. Our next question comes from David S. Frederick. Your opinion on the fan dislike of Hands of Stone Ron Garvin becoming NWA world champion in September 1987. Not many believe he was not worthy of the title. What I think really disgruntled fans was not Garvin winning. It was Jim Crockett Jr. announcing Garvin would not have to defend the title till Starcade. Well, I was there. I shot the match. I photographed that match. And uh, I thought Ronnie Garvin would be a really good NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of fans were disgruntled because he didn't seem to be in the uh, that top echelon tier, but they were building him to it, so it was a surprise victory. Um, I thought it was a good title change. I really did. It made it interesting to see uh, what are they going to do with the champion next. Yeah, definitely not the... It didn't do an amazing amount for business, I don't believe, at the time, and that's why it wasn't a very long reign. Well, he, um, was, maybe... he, wasn't, he wasn't one of the major billboard names yet, but he was going to be made a major billboard name. Do you think that Jim Crockett Jr., and this is just me asking, yeah. hashtag ask after, yeah. um, do you think that Jim Crockett Jr. announcing that he would not defend the title until Starcade put uh, unwanted heat on Ronnie Garvin? No, absolutely not. I think it would make it more interesting so we, as to why isn't this guy going to defend it until Starcade starting a little controversy. Okay, so the fans just didn't get behind him because of... I can't say that the fans didn't get behind him. Okay. There were a lot of fans that were behind him. Oh, sure. And there were some fans who weren't. But you can't say the majority were against him. David Frederick might have been against this, mm -hmm. but... Well, according to what Sting said in the interview earlier, uh, it wasn't really great for business. Well, it's all about business, but uh, in the magazine, we got a lot of mail about Ronnie Garvin as being an excellent champion. And as you know, he was one of the amazing Garvin family with uh, Terry Garvin mm -hmm. and Jimmy Garvin. So, yeah. All right. Next question here comes from Jimmy Nogmix Markov. What is the candy of choice for this episode? Well, I think we already know that. Oh, wait, they're sitting right here. It's Tic Tacs. Tic Tacs. Fruit Tic Tacs. Adventure. And Tic Tac, the company, feel free to contact us, uh, theafterchat <laughs> at gmail.com if you're interested in sponsoring. You know what? You know what? You fans should um, go to the Twitter of Tic Tac and let them know that we're talking about them in a favorable light. Yes. Their fruit adventure. I'm a big fan of this. So, yeah, that's Tic Tacs. Yeah. All right. So that's. That's all we've got for you. Uh, thank you guys again. And, and remember, you can say it. Yeah, that's it. That, it hasn't even been three hours yet. Hey, but I want to say to the after chatters, thank you guys for all of the five star reviews that have come in on iTunes. It has not been enough to be able to get that extra question for from Bill. But uh, you guys, there's definitely been an increase and we appreciate that. You we mean, wait a minute. You mean the question of why I was not permitted 
at ringside. Why you were banned from ringside from the WWF? I was actually banned from the whole building. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the we story can get behind if, it. Ha, what's no, that? you can't tell it. We have to get to fifty five star reviews. You know, We're, you're 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 a hard producer. No, well, hey, I got a job to do. We need those five star reviews, and and we know that you guys are enjoying this, or at least we hope you are. And, and the if girls, you are, and, the, and the, girls. the girls, and if you are enjoying the after chat. Please let us know at the After Chat on Twitter. Uh, remember where you can get the merch, theafterchat.com. You can also buy Bill's book. You will be able to see us at StarCast and All In. We'll be there. Uh, if you see us, come say hello. By the way, yeah. who is our guest today? Our guest was Sting. So, on October 20th, yeah. my birthday weekend, mm-hmm. I will be doing a live Afters Alley at Awesome Wrestling Entertainment's event in Waynesboro, Virginia. I am so psyched to do that. And who will you be interviewing? Sting. Well, there you go. Didn't I just say that? No. I thought I did. Well, I, I'm here to help you well, out. Let me say it again. That's August what, 20th. That's what partners do. August 20th, Waynesboro, Virginia, Awesome Wrestling Entertainment. And I can't wait to see my AWE family again and all the great fans my birthday weekend, I will be in the ring doing an after's alley with the icon Sting. Uh, Bill, where can they find you on Twitter? Where can the after chatters chat at you? At After One Wrestling. That's the number one, not the word. And you guys can find me at So Says Chernoff. Uh, I appreciate any time you guys are tweeting at me, any interactions. It's fun to talk to you guys. You know, we love doing this podcast. The one thing we don't get to do with this podcast is get to talk to you guys. And that's why, again, we are so excited to be at StarCast. Uh, as you're listening to this, we're there. And uh, Bill's phone is already blowing yeah, up. Yeah, hang on a minute. Let me answer this. Who is it? Hold on a minute. Hello? Is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. We'll see you at the matches.